and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you one more time before we take a break. Uh, Not much going on with the Bears this week, uh, really for the next month, but we are back with uh, what I think is a very important special episode for you. We're also going to wrap up some of our uh, thoughts from the weird off-season program that we all just went through. But, Johnsy, what's up, buddy? What's going on, my friend? Yeah, this is the time of year where the NFL world takes a break. And I know it's been a different off-season because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but historically speaking, at least in my years covering the team, this is when everybody kind of gets away. Everybody gets their vacations in. I don't know everybody's going to go this this <laughs> in 2020, but um, yes, this is where the NFL kind of shuts things off for a bit. Technically, I'm on vacation right now this week, I, but I for see. some reason, I'm here talking to you. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, well, there's worse things to do. What, what do you got? You got a full 24-hour day of doing nothing? <laughs> no, nah, I could take a few minutes uh I can always. I always have a few minutes for you, Johnsy. Oh, I appreciate. You know. And our, more important, not you, our listeners, of course. <laughs> okay, priorities. Uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue H O G E at Adam Johns J A H N S. You could still read us during all this, uh, and uh, you know, even over the next month, things will slow down a little bit. But we uh, have plenty of content up, Johnsy at the Athletic, theAthletic.com, the amazing Athletic app. You should be a subscriber if you're not. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. It's where you sign up there. Free trial, discounts. There's really no reason for you not to be a subscriber at this point. So check us out there. And um, myself at NBCSportsChicago.com. That's where you can uh, read my stuff as well. So uh, please rate and review the podcast. It's as important as ever. We appreciate our loyal listeners for sticking with us and uh, and helping out the pod in that regard too. Okay, so I mentioned... um, we I teased this last week too. We got a, a special interview for you today. That's that's what we both agree is really important. Um, the way it's going to work is we're gonna we're gonna do the interview first, then we're gonna come back and we will wrap things up with some final thoughts on football things and uh, in in this off season program and also where this might be headed over the next few months because there are a ton of question marks. Not only about the Bears, but about sports in general and in football and some of the challenges ahead. So uh, we we will discuss all that. But but first, John's, uh, you wanna you wanna let us know who we talked to today? Yeah, we talked to, to Bears safeties coach Sean Desai. I'm I'm, a, I'm sure most of the, the the more serious fans know who who, who he is. He, he's the longest tenured Bears coach. He's been here since Mark Trespin. I first ran into Sean or, or became known of Sean or, or knew, knew of Sean when he was 
interviewed by Mark Trespin in the stands at the, the Senior Bowl at Lad People Stadium. And he, it was way up on top there, some of the top stands there in the sun. I remember seeing the interview. But he is coached under Trespin. He is coached under Fox. He is coached with Fangio and Apagano. He's part of Nagy staff. Um, so he's been here for, for a very long time. Fascinating background. And um, to, to just set this conversation up, Sean wrote an op-ed for The Athletic a couple weeks ago. Hopefully you read it. Uh, if you didn't, you definitely should. It's on The Athletic app where you get all your Bears coverage. It show, you know, you'll find it there. Um, but it, uh, you know, it is essentially in response to the, the racial injustice conversations that have been going on, George Floyd's murder. Uh, Sean is an Indian American um, and has, has dealt with, uh, you know, his own racism in his life. And just really, um, again, I mentioned the background, fascinating background, incredible education, uh, including a master's and a doctorate. And here he is coaching safeties for the Chicago Bears. So uh, that alone is fascinating. And um, this conversation is just really important. So we want to make sure we, we brought it to you. And I think that's enough of me babbling and setting it up. So uh, here is the conversation we had with Bears safeties coach, Sean Desai. So Sean, first of all, thanks for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. And, and I guess we'll just start here. How long have you wanted to write something like this? Or is it just something that, that came up quickly? But essentially, why did you write it? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, like I mentioned in the article, too, I, I've, you know, I got an academic background, so I tend to write uh, in general. Uh, and I've been writing things of similar natures uh, probably close to a decade now, you know, to be honest. And, and usually they're notes in my phone. You know, sometimes if it gets really long in my phone or if I'm at my computer, uh, uh, I'll, I'll write longer pieces. I mean, some have been up to 10 pages, you know, just in a Microsoft Word document. And a lot of it's uh, another way just for me to process information, uh, get my thoughts out. Uh, so I'm able to process, articulate in, in, the, way, in the words and in the, in the way I want to. You know, because sometimes, like everybody, I'm sure uh, it's an emotional time and some of these topics are emotional. And, and I try to try my best to just try to learn and understand. And then uh, I can put out all my emotions on paper and then, and then figure out wh- where I'm going. Cause a lot of my thoughts are all over the place, like everybody else, I'm sure, you know, and then it just helps me organize things. You have this call to action, hashtag my pack for, for justice. And I, I want to go off something you, you said right there, because the, the most powerful line to me, at least the one that resonated with me specifically um, you kind of addressed it a little bit there. Let me read it a little bit here. I try not to let all my emotions speak for me. I try to understand, read, listen, learn, and empathize. In terms of taking that to action, how would you define that? Take us through the next step for those who want to, to get involved or, or those who are still trying to process things that they're, that they're learning about. Part of that whole process, and, and I, I'm, I'm a living example of it because I think we all have our own thoughts and our own ways to process information. Uh, and oftentimes, like I allude, allude to in the article, and I'm culprit of it, you know, you, you kind of process it and you just move on because you got your life. I mean, and, and that's normal. You know, you got your own life to deal with and, and you move on. From it. Uh, but for me, 
this process has been, like I said, developing for a long time. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even, like I say in the article, I'm not even experiencing the brunt of it. You know, I experienced my own forms of systemic racism and oppression, but not nearly as close to not, not even the same as, as, uh, some of my colleagues and players do. So, uh, I, I just felt like whatever I can do, you know, I think a lot of times you feel a lot of, uh, powerless or helpless and you don't know what to do, but you got to remember that you, you still got your own voice, no matter what your role is in this world or, or anything, you still impact an individuals. And, and for me, you know, it, it was motivated by my wife and kids. You know, I've got a, I got a real powerful voice with my kids. So why can't I impact them? And, and that that's a small change, but it's still a change and it's still a way of living. And, and it's still a philosophy that I can adapt to and adjust. And I think uh, part of the article is just that self-reflection, you know, and then being able to realize what you can touch and, and, and feeling empowered that you can do something, you know, regardless of your role and status in life. You know, everybody's got a voice and everybody should be able to use that voice to wherever, wherever their, their means can reach to. Well, Sean, you're, I mean, the way you open this with essentially conversation with your, with your kids, I mean, certainly you're talking to two guys here on this podcast that also have young kids. So, I mean, that, that spoke to me, you know, another, another part that I, I really felt like I could relate to. And I think we all sort of need this introspection right now too, is, you know, I remember a few years ago, I would be one who's tweeting like, no, I'm not going to stick to sports. You know, I was a little bit more outspoken. And then, you know, quite frankly, a lot has happened in the last four years. Media organizations, ESPN most notably, would come out with, you know, social media policies. In some ways, I think I felt silenced a little bit. Um, and and look, I'm just a white guy here talking right now. So I, but, but the point is that I... I related to what you said about how, you know, we kind of have to look past what's best for us individually, not really allow ourselves to be silenced. And you as a coach in the NFL, the NFL has been, you know, I I hope what we're seeing in the last couple of weeks is, uh, is a huge change here. But seeing people like you, players, coaches, whoever they are, speak out on this more, I think it carries a lot of weight. Yeah, you know that that's a that's a funny thing to mention because I I'm reading a lot of it. I've been hearing it for years. Uh, you know, stick to sports. You know, go play the game, go coach the game, or or media wise, go report on what you're supposed to be reporting on. Uh, and and it, and it happens in all industries, right? I mean, it happens in business world. Go just just tell me about my fans. I don't need my financial pl- planner being out there and, and saying things, right? Uh, but what that does, that's part of this system that that you know. Uh, confines people to and, and limits their voices. You know, at the end of the day, this article was written from the perspective of a of a human being, an individual, a son of immigrants, an educator, who's also a football coach at the highest level. You know, so so we all have to wear all those hats, right? Everybody's you're you're not just you know there aren't just pastors or journalists or I mean you, you have so much of a life beyond that. And then if we can't somehow figure out ways to mesh that, then we're limiting ourselves and our own potential, you know? And so I think, I think you got to be, you got to try to find a way. And now, now I understand, you know, you're not trying to get fired. You're not trying to, you know, break rules in your organization and neither am I, but some of the rules like we're seeing now are, are, are meant to be broken. I mean, 
know, we, we got to remember all these institutions and the rules and, and the laws that we, we all abide by are still man-made, you know, women and man-made. They're still created by humans. So, and, and none of us are perfect. And there's opportunities to keep looking at it and introspecting as, as individuals and as organizations and, and trying to improve from, from those aspects. Sean, how is your educational background? I, I know you teach uh, or have taught a class at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management, an MBA class. How has your educational background maybe shaped your perspective on all of this? Yeah, it's been huge. Uh, you know, I, you know, I grew up in Shelton, Connecticut, which is a you know predominantly white middle class uh, upbringing. Uh, and, and you, you go through K through 12 and, and you, you learn what you learn, you know, and, and a lot, I know there's a lot of debate right now around the, the education system right now and, and how we're teaching our kids. Uh, I went to Boston University, which is, you know, one of the most diverse institutions that I've been a part of. Uh, so that was a great experience. And I majored in political science and philosophy where I really, uh, I say that because that, that really opened up a new way of thinking for me. Uh, when you when you're hearing these topics and you're able to de- debate them in, in, a, in, a, in a safe space in a college area, uh, so that opened up a whole new way of thinking. Uh, and then continuing on, you know that that's really what opened up my eyes to education. Uh, I went to get my master's and then eventually got my doctorate in that because that was a place that I felt really passionate about more than I did about medicine. You know because that, that's what I was on track to do. Uh, and so those experiences in college uh, have really really shaped me and then it's taught me the idea of learning listening and empathizing and and reading and figuring things out because so much of what we're taught there's so much more besides what we're just taught and so we got to take our own responsibilities on what we want to learn and what we choose to learn sean i think it's cool you're doing this because i i i think bears fans listening to this are getting to know you a little bit here and i'm guessing as they're they're hearing you say those things about your background this question might be coming up. Why are you a football coach? I mean, you got doctorate, masters, you talk about poli sci, all these things. Uh, I mean, you're obviously a very smart guy. You're, you're coaching safeties for the Chicago Bears. You've been with the Bears for a, a long time now. Why are you a football coach? Yeah, why? Uh, I mean, it's really as true as it can be in terms of a love and a passion, right? Because like you said, I didn't have to do it. Uh, I didn't play college ball. You know, I obviously didn't play in the NFL. Uh, but education is my passion, and I really don't find a better way to be a teacher than on the grass and and doing things actively. And 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 the I love the planning and the preparation behind this game in particular, uh, and then the ability to develop and, and and have a chance to lead young men and bring them past what they can. I mean, all those experiences have opened my eyes to a whole new world of education. To me, that's what an educator's got to do. At whatever you're teaching. My, my wife's an early childhood educator. I mean, if you're not out there to develop and, and help bring kids to a place that they can't be on their own, then I don't know what the purpose of education is. You know, so, and, and I just get to do it, you know, with some grass and some shoes and sneakers every day and be outside. I really want to encourage everybody, if you're if you're still listening, to to, to go back and read Sean's op-ed in its entirety. Sean, if you had to, 
I, I don't want to say sum things up, but like in terms of, of this is the writer in me coming out. Like you always want to have like these impactful paragraphs and, and messages, and you have this call for action. You you have your your calls for for justice. If you had to sum it up for folks who are listening, who are who are driving right now, or or walking around and want to go back and read this, how would you do this? Like do that for me, just 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 quickly if you can. Just just like the the best way to embody or encapsulate the, this call for action, this hashtag my pack for justice pledge that you want everybody to to take part in. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it really and and it's so much beyond me because I I certainly am late to this uh, in my career and in my life. Uh, but it's it's really just a, a call to really reflect and introspect on yourself and then, and then move on past that stage because that's a necessary stage to listen and learn and then and then find a way to become active and and with whatever means that you can be active because I, I i'm a firm believer in any small action i mean that's part of a team any small improvement that you can make uh the larger collective is going to get better you know and, and i use the I, I have a quote in there it says the collective efforts of the masses is stronger than the mass efforts of a collective right i mean there's been a huge effort for this for going on for 400 years, right? In terms of ending these injustices, in terms of organizations like the NAACP and so many more, you know, uh, but it's time that the masses start uh, taking part in this effort. It's time that everybody, you know, regardless of your color and your background, I mean, there's some basic tenets like I talk about, you know, I talk about my kids, like I think every human being could agree to don't harm somebody else. Right, so just start there, then then figure out how you can help. And and if it's talking to your kids, that's great. If it's reading a new book, that's even better. And if it's talking to a friend of yours, great. I mean, it doesn't have to be big and financial, and it doesn't have to be a burden. It shouldn't be a burden. You know, it should just be about education, and then bringing everybody along with you, and helping other people that need help. Sean, um, you know. Every NFL team, I think. Well, I don't know if it got up to every NFL team, but you know, we've seen these statements from from teams all over the place. I, I, I thought the Bears statement uh, carried a little bit more teeth than than some of the others. Um, I feel like the actions over the last couple of weeks have been very encouraging from the organization. Um, you know, we play. We spent a whole podcast here just playing Akeem Hicks's conversation with us. Couple weeks ago, which I mean, we've been covering this team for a decade now. It's the first time I've ever gotten emotional, really, hearing a player talk. It was incredible. Um, the point is, I I feel like whether it's your op-ed, what the players have been saying, Matt Nagy having that two-hour meeting with the entire team, um, it's been encouraging to see. Do you feel that? I mean, you've been in this. We're just sort of observing it from the outside, but you've been in the middle of this. Do you feel like you know the Chicago Bears are are doing something positive? I do. You know, I do. Uh, again, this op-ed was, was totally personal. You know, it was totally personal. Uh, and uh, after it, um, you know, I was ready for whatever could come out of it. You know, you never know uh, when you're doing something like this. Because like you guys said, you're going outside of a, a generic framework of common practices, let's say. Right? That are unwritten, but they're common. Uh, and the support uh, from ownership all the way down through has been tremendous personally for me. And then I think really more importantly than personally for me is uh, 
I think they're they're really trying to embody this idea of listening, learning, and engaging in actions to help. And and I think that's a huge step. I mean, what a what a way to be a founding franchise NFL who's had its own history, right? But to be able to accept that and move forward, and and then realize that that you know we can do better, and to be leaders in that initiative, I think I think that's a credit to Coach, to Ryan, to uh, obviously George. Uh, McCaskey and, and Ted Phillips, you know, all, all the leadership within the bears. And, 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 you know, there's, there's one thing that I love about coach Nagy. It's, and it's, it's a common phrase that, that you guys have heard over and over. I'm sure the players use, it's just be you, you know, it's so simple, but that's so real. And it's so authentic. And oftentimes, like you guys said yourselves, you know, in certain roles, you, you, you sometimes forget to be you because there's organizations or your job or something that doesn't let you be you, but to give that, uh, liberty to the people that you're leading is so powerful. Sean, uh, one of the conversations that I've enjoyed having over the past uh, month or so is, well, being a father uh, through this. And you and I have talked about this before. Adam mentioned earlier, I have three young sons. You, you have two young sons. Adam has one young son. I'm curious, what's the best what are your thoughts on the best way to go through this? You know, parenting, um, you know, the, the next generation. So we could get through, you know, and past inst- institutionalized racism and, and leave this, you know, it sounds like such a cliche, but you, you do want to leave this world a better place, right? Like it's just how would you take me through your process on this? Uh, well, my process starts with my wife. Uh, she's, she's, I mean, like I said, she's an educator at heart. Uh, She's unbelievable in terms of this stuff. There, there are things like I allude to it even in this. And I, and I told our players this, you know, my son asked me one day, uh, you know, he, he came up with a question about, you know, he wanted to be Chris Bryant. You know, we're playing baseball outside. He wanted to be Chris Bryant. He, he loves the Cubs, you know. Uh, and so he got, he's got his jersey. He's got the whole uniform on. And we're ready. And I'm waiting outside for 15 minutes until the kid comes out just so I can just pitch him the ball, right? He, need, he needs to have everything ready. And then, he, you know, he says, well, I need one more thing. I said, well, what do you need? And he says, well, can you paint my face white? And so that was like my, like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, you know, because he doesn't have, he didn't feel like he had anybody he can look up to that looked like him. And this is at, you know, age three or whatever. But the, the reality is, in my experience, and this is why I, I love being a parent and I love kids, is you can learn so much from them because they're so raw and real. Right. And then my my personal philosophy is as parents and as educators, especially early childhood educators, is you've got the responsibility to shape them. And then part of that is for us to be uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. I'm like, what? Like, what, what are we talking about here? You know, but but it was addressed and my wife was there, thankfully, you know, and she addressed it and she talked about it. And she said, well, you know, that's OK. You know, like everybody's got different skin colors. And then, you know, we talked about the science of different skin colors. And then it's very, it, it's very quick. It, it's amazing how quickly they process that information because it's so black and white for them. You know, this idea of right and wrong is so clear for kids. Like there's, there's no gray. So like if they see something happening, like I alluded to in the beginning of the article, you know, about what they see is mean, they just know. And as we grow older, we kind of, try to situationalize it. Well, maybe, you know, we, we make reasons and excuses for it, but 
for them, it's so raw. So I think just meeting them where they're at with that rawness and then being very direct. I mean, my son knows he's got brown skin. He knows he's different. But he also knows that it doesn't really make him much different. Just the color of his skin is what makes him different. His ideas, his brain, his his willingness, his love, his empathy, all that stuff is make, makes him who he is. And I think that's that's important to acknowledge on both sides, you know, whoever you are. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're a parent of a, of a, of a white child, yeah, your skin is, but so is his or hers. And, and that's okay. You know, but I think having those open, honest conversations, to be honest, are harder for me than they are for my son because they, they really understand it. it's pretty cut and dry for them. Right. Wrong. Good. Bad. There's a difference in color. Okay. What does that mean? Like my, like my, my son has a hard time understanding why, why people don't, uh, accept people for people really hard time. Like what, what, like what does that have to do with anything? You know, but that's a real thing. And I would, I would venture to say most kids are like that until they're taught not to be like that. You know? So I think meeting them where they're at and then being real honest and blunt is, is important. And then I tell you what it's, I can tell you from my experience, it's way harder on me and I get, you know, fumbling with my words and don't know what to say. Uh, than it is on him because when he asks questions, they're pretty direct and they're pretty blunt questions. So that just, I appreciate that honesty. Kids have a habit of, of doing that, asking those direct things. Um, that, that is a, an incredibly powerful story, Sean. Um, cause I, I'm, I firmly believe that, that racism is something that's taught and not something you're born with and the importance of parenting, uh, and having those tough conversations, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully your son and um, sons and our sons are, they grow up and are, you know, are part of this change too, because it's, it's really the young kids right now that I think are going to help facilitate all this when, once they grow up. So Sean, thanks so much. I mean, that, that's an incredible story The the op-ed is incredible and uh, it's just a great message overall. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for talking with me. All right, there he is, uh, Sean Desai. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. I was moved by this story he he told at the end about his his, uh, his son. son. Yeah, yeah, that that was incredible. It's it's powerful and it strikes home a bit. Being a father of three sons myself, and you know, it's it, it's all about them in a sense, is it not? So. Um, if you missed it, go back and listen to it. Uh, I, I want to keep repeating this again. If you want to check out his op-ed, it's still up there on The Athletic. It's from a couple weeks ago. It's still on our Bears page. The headline is Bears Safety's Coach Sean Desai's Call to Action. Read, listen, and empathize. I can't say that word. <laughs> but Everybody knows what I mean. Um, just, just try to listen and, and hear people out a bit at this time. Yeah, I think that's the one thing we've been stressing here over the last few weeks, just listening, how important that is. And so uh, if you skipped through that interview, because this is a podcast and you do have the ability to fast forward and you just want to hear the, the football talk, um, I think you're exactly the, the maybe the person that needs to go back and listen to it. So um, please do. Please do. Uh, I think you'll you'll learn something. It's not really controversial at all. It's just a good uh conversation to listen to so there it is sean desai thank you uh to him for one writing that yeah writing that op-ed but also jumping on the podcast too to uh discuss 
you know, some very personal things, and uh, we appreciate him opening it up that way. Okay, uh, it is almost July. The off-season program is officially over. It was an off-season program that uh, we've never witnessed before. Hopefully, won't witness again. Uh, well, we didn't witness anything. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and we may not witness much in training camp either. No. Uh, um, which I'm... Sh- I'm sh- yeah. Look, I, this has been tough. Um, not This isn't us complaining. It's just the reality situation. It's, it is... This has been tough to analyze anything that's really going on with the Bears because we're just going off of... Uh, interviews and conversations and nothing really with our own eyeballs. Uh, in fact, it took a while even to get our own our eyeballs on the people we've been talking to, but eventually <laughs> that happened with these Zoom calls, and they're better than nothing. And um, at, at least we did hear from a lot of the Bears players and coaches over the last few weeks. But, um, you know, in terms of takeaways, honestly, it's it's hard to come away with anything too concrete. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say this. I'm, I'm kind of writing... Something for the athletic right now. You can check it out on Wednesday. It'll it'll be up there live in the morning. Um, if I had to take a couple key takeaways, number one is how all consuming this quarterback competition is going to be. Not not just for like the people directly involved in it. Mitch Trubisky, um, Nick Foles, Matt Nagy, uh, new offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, new quarterbacks coach Don Filippo. Of course, they're all going to be involved. But like the other positions. Everybody in offense, everybody who's trying to find chemistry on the offensive line, like either the right guard is going to be impacted, the number three wide receiver is going to be impacted. It's going to be all consuming, not just with the attention, but on the field. Like there's going to be a a ripple effect here. And just listening to Mike Fury, listening to Allen Robinson, you can already hear the messages like just do your job, worry about yourselves right now because everybody knows this quarterback competition is going to take every headline imaginable. And they're all going to be – that's easier said than done because especially if you're a wide receiver, I mean, you you develop chemistry with certain guys and everyone has their opinion on who should be the quarterback. Yeah. So it, um, Especially, that, like, if it's close, Adam. You know, yeah. like, Trubisky's relationships with those guys are going to – to stick out even more, I think. I mean, we we've talked about this. If it's close, I think Trubisky starting the oper, yes. opener. I I firmly believe that because I just think if there's any doubt whatsoever, you need to get as much evaluation as possible of him on the field before you you just move on because that's essentially what you're doing if you go to Nick Foles. So. Um, that that will be very very interesting to hopefully watch at some point, um, and I do think that um, you know if you hopefully I hope we get to watch it. Right. What's interesting is that the NFL just recommended that they stop those workouts that they've been doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost wonder if he'll cut down the number. Maybe maybe two or three guys a day. I, I cannot see him stopping personally. Exactly. I mean, it's. His job's on the line. Yeah, you know, and the other thing too is, you know, what we're what we're seeing is, um, the hot spots have shifted with this virus. You know, it was 
just a little while ago that we were in the middle of it, you know, in the Chicago land area. And now the positivity rate has dropped so much thanks to all the social distancing and people wearing their masks. And please continue to wear your masks because I've seen in certain areas that it's like, Oh, everything's just gone away magically. And the way people are acting has me nervous because if you want to see sports come back Wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, you got you, you. You can't have it both ways. You can't just be like, "Oh, this doesn't matter anymore," and then uh, be mad when there's no NFL in the fall because they they can't figure this out. I mean, what what's happening right now is fascinating because, um, you know, as baseball argues and can hopefully maybe has figured out uh, some way to play baseball right now, as ridiculous as the whole thing has been, you know, we keep talking about. Had they gotten their act together quickly, they could have started the season like next week. Well, we're seeing now in Florida and Arizona, their facilities being shut down because those two states have become hotspots. And you're starting to realize like this is not going to be easy to pull off, whether we're talking about baseball or the NBA coming back in Orlando. Maybe they'll have the best chance to succeed because they're really trying to create a bubble in one place. But that's not how it's going to be in the NFL. And I'm just starting to worry, John Z, like you're going to have, even with teams at their own facilities, unless they're going to, you know, quarantine them in a hotel, which maybe is a solution because you kind of do that during training camp anyway, you're just seeing some of these teams start to get together in even small amounts and all of a sudden eight Phillies players or whatever it is come yeah, up with yeah. positive tests. It's it's very worrisome. Yeah, see, I'm not surprised by by the positive tests because I do think it's probably more widespread than people think. And, I, and I'm assuming these people reported to the training facilities without any symptoms at all, and, and there's mandatory testing. So in a way, it's 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 good news. Yeah, it's bad news, but it's good news because you're, you're getting a better handle on the, the actual situation, which for which you have to deal with now. And yes, these guys are all young and healthy. They should be able to handle it. But in, in many ways, it's about them, but but also not about them. It's about them spreading it to, to the more the people that they're close to who are at risk. And it's... it's which, others. by the way, includes some players. Yes, yes. Like, yes. on the Cubs, John Lester, Anthony Rizzo, they're cancer survivors. We see football players that play with diabetes. Jay Cutler. I mean, these are there are actual players who are at risk. Right. So, you know, these idiots on Twitter that are just like, why does this matter? The players, they're the healthiest people in the world. They're not going to get it. You know, there's and then there's actually some suggestions that um, wasn't it Von Miller who said like it took even though he didn't really have a ton of symptoms, it took weeks for him to feel like his lungs were right again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and I feel like there's certain studies that show you that your your lungs may never be right again after that. And think about him playing in the thin air of of Colorado. So there's a lot of things to get through. Um, spin it any way you like. It's I feel like the the, the testing it, it just it has to happen. You're gonna see, you're gonna see positive cases in the NFL. It, you absolutely are, um, and it's it's how they handle it. It, it really is. Yeah, and I'm fascinated to see, I mean, think about all the, football more than any other sport, think about how many people are down on the sidelines. You know, you got the chain gang, you got the, you know, the officials, you got the people that are, you know, just 
marking, you know, keeping track of down, down and distance. I mean, I guess that's part of the chain game, but there's just a ton of people. TV more so, crews, yeah. Trainers, more, yes. More so than any other sport. There's just so... You, you, start, you start adding up the amount of people that are going to need to be tested and the frequency of those tests and then also the challenges of getting the tests back. Like, my wife is an OT. She works in a... Um, in a facility and they've been tested but it still takes five days even for them technically healthcare workers to get those tests back you know what I mean so I don't and I think the costs of I know there's some tests that are you can get back faster but I think those costs they start skyrocketing so I'm just bringing up that there's going to be some major challenges here and, and things that need to be figured out and oh by the way we're really only a month away from talking about training camp starting. So I wish I could be more positive about all this stuff, but it's. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot over these next few weeks, hopefully. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if preseasons are changed and, and training camp rules, are, or even if it's delayed a week or so, to, to get a better quarantine in. Or, or in a couple of weeks from now, you have an announcement where it's a mandatory quarantine for all players. You know, two week quarantine so they could all report as healthy as possible, and they have to drive there. We'll see. There's there's so many unknowns in this, aren't there, Adam? So many different yeah. variables, so many different regulations that go by not only state but by city and by township. Oh, it's just yeah, it's frustrating in a way. Well, that's what I mean. Like, and that's what got us on this conversation. Like, right now, Illinois things have calmed down a little bit, and so Mitch working out with you know some players that are probably taking their precautions because um, they understand that how important it is for them to stay healthy. It, it's a, probably a lot different than maybe if you're Tom Brady right now in Tampa working out with players like he has down there where all of a sudden that's become more of a hot spot. So I, I, a lot of this matters where you are, but teams are located all over. So that's going to create some challenges and oh, by the way, which we've talked about before, you have offensive line, defensive line. These guys are in each other's faces the entire game. And that's another thing. So, I don't know. A- any other final takeaways, my friend, uh, of this offseason? Um, and, play- and players are rightfully concerned. I know some coaches yeah. seem to, to brush it off, and, and maybe it's a generational thing. But, you know, Danny Trevathan's comments, you know, like, don't forget about COVID, you know, like, that that still resonates with me. They're thinking about this. These are people who have, you know, grandparents that live with them. These these are people who have you know young children. There's a lot of layers to this, you know, for, for individuals as well. Yeah, I guess my final takeaway is just I hope. I think I'm like a lot of our listeners and fans. Like I just, it's it's one thing to lose to have the NBA season abbreviated. It's one thing to have baseball screwed up the way it's been. A lot of that's been their un. un own undoing um and same thing with hockey too i just (laughs) i think i'm gonna have a meltdown though if the nfl gets screwed you know what i mean like if we don't have football this fall and they're already talking about second wave that's gonna be hard to swallow so i just hope everybody is taking it seriously i hope the league internally is coming up with real solutions because publicly they've certainly come off like, uh, yeah, we're just going to continue as, you know, normal business. And I just don't think that that's going to be, and I, and I know they're not, I know that they're, they're, you know, they're 
trying to come up with adequate testing and figure this all out. Um, but I just hope it all works. I guess that's my final takeaway here because um, we got a month before players are, are reporting to training camp. And the last thing you want to see in a season, I do think the Bears can be good. I want to see a quarterback competition. I want this to be, you know, a fun football season for everybody. And the worst thing could be like two weeks into training camp. All of a sudden there's a breakout. It might not be the Bears camp. It might be somewhere else. And everything gets shut down again. That would just suck. Yeah. Yeah. What's like the month sounds like a long time, but if there's one thing I've learned through this pandemic, Adam, what's the saying? Like the, the days are long, but the years are short, you know, yeah. but so it's like the days are long because it seems repetitive, but these weeks are actually short. They're, they're flying by. It's all, it's been over three months since yes, this all started. Yes. So if, it feels like, like that was another world ago and it's just, it's just flown by. So this month will go by fast. Yeah. So decisions have to be made. Um, and you hope that they're the correct decisions, the, the correct decision decisions, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, here's our plan. We are going to, uh, this will be your only episode of this week and we are going to take a week off just a little bit of a break as we always do this time of year. And, uh, then we will be back to start preview training camp and things like that after the 4th of July. So um, this will be your last episode before the 4th of July weekend. Please, everybody, stay healthy. Be smart about all this. We are like all of you. We want to get outside. We want to do things. We want to see people we haven't seen in a long time. Um, but And if you go though, that route, there's there's still ways to do it responsibly. So, so please do that. Stay healthy. Take care of yourselves. Uh, these have been... Some interesting months, to say the least. I hope we've covered it as well as we can on this podcast, as we always always try to do for you. And uh, hopefully we have some football to talk about soon. Absolutely. So what's that? Be safe. Be smart. Have fun. Be responsible. I, I feel like uh, the parent here. Right. <laughs> talking to my kids. Right. Um, this is not what? a lecture. It's a recommendation. Yes, yes. Going back to the Sean Desai's conversation, listen, read, you know, have an open mind to, to a lot of things, and, and but really, be safe, be smart, enjoy the 4th of July. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. We'll still have stuff for you to read. The Athletic, theathletic.com, the Athletic app. Go get it. Please rate and review the podcast. My stuff up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Thank you to everybody for listening, reading over these last few months. We'll be back in a little bit, just a couple weeks. And uh, then we'll start gearing up for training camp. Talk to you soon. See ya. Hey, Matt. H- how you doing? Um, Good, Adam. 